Wee woo, wee woo, emergency, emergency podcast. Everyone places, places. Hold on, let me. Gotta get the camera on. Okay, voice is clear. Uh, get my Mickey ears on. Um, jeez, uh, which ones do I have? Oh, I only have the mini ones. Yeah, I'll do. Are you ready? I am ready. I stay ready. I'm alarmed how calm you are. Okay, well that's a good. Yeah, you're right. That's your energy. Um, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're getting a first here. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here to talk shit. Yes, it is, we have an emergency podcast, uh, our first of its kind. God, I hope it's the only one we have to do. Right, but isn't this kind of fun? It is. It, I, I, I like coming in with a very manic energy. Yeah. But yes, this Sunday, uh, a day that will live in infamy, November 20th. <laughs> late last um, night at the time of this recording. Yes, late last night, I had just finished up the Bills game. I was having a, a nice ale after as D&D was wrapping up, and I was thinking, all right, I've got the episode up already, I can kick up my feet, and we'll figure out when we're going to do our Black Panther episode. Mm. And then, Sydney texts me, Bob Iger is back. And I say, we're going to have to talk about this, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, I can remember distinctly messaging you, I mean, as a default, we message each other when anything notable happens on the internet in pertaining mm-hmm. to Disney, but also just anything. And I can remember texting you that he was out in the first, that, that Bob Iger was leaving the first time. Oh, yeah, you're right. That was when <laughs> I heard, yeah, when he gave the official announcement. God, how long ago was that? Not long enough. I mean. Evidently. Tr- truly not long enough. Because <laughs> I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember the timeline of events that, because I know he stayed on for a little bit. And then, like, he stepped down as CEO and let his replacement come in, but he was still, like, around. Like, he was still helping out, especially during the pandemic. I really... Oh, you know what? Let's Intro, let's, take let's a step back. Yeah. Welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. I'm Sydney. And I'm Carter. That's how topsy-turvy this is. We're yeah. doing it in reverse. I do the intro now. Um, okay, we're here to talk about Bob Iger returning to his position as the CEO of the Disney company. Right? Yes. A okay. shocking... Late night announcement, a uh, very, very mobster-esque, you know, Truly. taking a guy downtown and just opening fire. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, what has happened is uh, Bob Chepik, who was Bob Iger's hand-picked uh, replacement as CEO when Bob Iger stepped down February 25th, 2020, uh, has now been ousted from the company um, mm. by the board and replaced once again with Bob Iger, who has signed a two-year contract where he will, quote-unquote, sort of steer the ship. Uh, Away from the iceberg. Yes. yes. Basically, the implication <laughs> is, let's stabilize things, and then you can pick a new replacement. Yeah, I was about to say, two years, that's very short. I was Yes, and... A part of me feels like it's he's going to be there for longer than two years, especially if right. things start looking up again. Right. Um, where to even begin with this? First of all, you know, uh, here, I, I know where we should go with this because, you know, before we started recording, like, this is a topic that Carter knows a lot more about than I do. And so, like, I just have questions that I'm sure yes. our audience That's also a good way, has. Yes. 
Yes, so, that might be the best way to handle this. Yeah, so let's let me interview you, dear expert on on this topic, um, on behalf of probably most of our viewership or listenership. Mm-hmm. Yes, viewing with their ears. Viewership. Anyway, so why? You know, I I happen to know a little bit about the Disney biz in the sense of like. I have a scope of like what Disney was like with Eisner and and then what Disney sort of became with Iger but but I want to know why Iger left in the first place. There was a really great book semi sort of like memory about Bob Iger um it like sort of about his time and I think a part of it was He grew up in the shadow, like, he came through the company in the shadow of Michael Eisner, who basically had to be forced out of the company from, like, an outside rebel. Like, basically, the Disneys reigned a rebellion from the outside to take control of the company back. Mm -hmm. Um, And famously, Bob Iger was in line to become the CEO for quite a long time, and Michael Eisner did everything he could to keep that from happening. And by all accounts, Iger very much was someone who was like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want my legacy to be the Mad King barricading the doors as, mm. you know, as, like, the revolutionary start kick, you know, breaking into the palace. Right. Um, I also think a part of it was just, well, my conspiracy Carter says, you know, Disney does a lot of business in China, and by February 2020, uh, wow. China was already in full-blown panic mode, and perhaps he saw some writing on the wall. But it also was a combination of... <sighs> the big problem with... And now I'm going on pontificating about American capitalism, but, you know, for mega corporations, it's not enough to just keep the line going up. It's not okay to just have a straight line constantly going up where you're making profits, things are good, and you especially can't have a flat line where we're making crazy amounts of money, but it's not getting much higher. Mm. You have to constantly up the ante. It has to be an exponential growth. You have to show your shareholders, not only are we going to make money, we are going to find new avenues that skyrocket our money. And I think Bob Iger correctly kind of looked around and was like, I feel like I've kind of reached the max of what I can do here. Mm. Under Bob Iger's leadership, Disney acquired Pixar. Disney acquired um, Marvel, which was huge because mm. they'd been spending decades trying to make boy franchises work. And they finally just said, you know what? Let's get the comic books. Right. Um, they, got, they got Marvel right when Avengers came out. And that was so huge for the company because... Just before that, one of their attempts to make a boy franchise, John Carter, was such Ooh. a financial disaster. It was like, there was an understanding of, it will take them a decade to make this money back. And then Avengers right. becomes the third highest grossing film of all time. It's like, oh, I, never mind then. Right. And then, he, you know, he goes straight sicko mode by getting Star Wars, which was like, like, I know, I know the rose is a little off Star Wars right now, but the fact that we were getting our first Star Wars film in tw- like 20 years, that was huge. And then, just as, like, the cherry on top, he gets Fox, which is like, okay, I own The Simpsons now. And after you, once you own The Simpsons, like, what else was there to buy? There was no more kingdoms to conquer. And I think he correctly said, it's time to move on. Mm. Okay. That all makes a lot of sense. But, so now, it's like, who is Chappic? And, and how does he take his place? So, Bob Chappick, and I go back and forth on a lot of this. Um, I go back and forth on a lot of this because how much of it is 
about Chepik's fault and how much of it isn't. Because at the end of the day, this guy sucks. Like, I don't like him. I think he's not a good person. Okay. I think he, he, he demonstrates a lot of red flags in terms of business and personality-wise that makes him a bad fit for Disney or mm. any company. But at the same time, he really got left holding the bag of, like, I just had the, we just had the most successful run in Disney history. It makes the Renaissance look quaint by comparison. Mm-hmm. Now you have to do better than that. Oh, also, um, a once-in-a-century plague, something that's never happened in the age of mass media, is occurring. Mm-hmm. Uh, have fun trying to figure that one out. Right. So Bob Chapik has been in the Disney company for decades. He, he worked in the home entertainment part for a while. He was a lot of, like, consumer products. Mm. And his big thing was he ran the parks for a while. And Bob Iger just decided to cherry pick him as a successor. And it's so interesting because, like, I've been doing a lot of... Because, like, I knew things weren't great, but I did not realize how toxic things had gotten with him. Um, To sort of give a timeline of events. And most of this probably won't be settled until another tell-all is written. But so he becomes CEO. And his main thing is, I'm going to pivot us hard to streaming. Mm. I am going to create all these different departments to focus on streaming. <laughs> I'm going to push a lot of films that would have been on in theaters to streaming. That's going to become our main, like, bell cow. And oh. that has had mixed results. That's really interesting that you mentioned that, because I can remember, and we talked about this in our Marvel episode, remember the, like, um, event, like, the like remote event that Disney had that year when we were all indoors, we, we kind of watched it together. Um, and like, they had this grand, like iPhone, Apple style, like, um, this is what's coming. Um, I can remember that like (laughs) these like people that they had presenting these like segments on the show with these titles, like, Oh, lead of, of, streaming marketing blah, blah blah and i was like is that a- yes he created a lot of those jobs right okay that makes sense because i now that you're saying that i like my mind immediately goes back to that and remembering thinking that like where are these people coming from like who are you right. <laughs> yeah and i will say on paper he didn't seem like the worst person to step in he was a competent businessman or at least at the time, he seemed like a steady, competent businessman Mm -hmm. who had looked over big chunks of the Disney brand. It seemed like, if nothing else, he would keep the boat stable. But, again, that did not factor in a pandemic on top of, they don't want stable, they want more. Right. Um, And I guess, to follow up on, how did we get here? Wait, so wait, let's go back. When did, like, when exactly did the narrative on this guy turn bad? Like, what were some specific choices that people were like, we're not on board anymore? Does hmm. this have to do with the parks, you know? Um, honestly, the parks are more where problems started after the fact. Okay, um, I see. Like, that is, like, that seems to be the final straw. And the parks are the area I'm not as versed in, but... Mm. It, as of late, the parks have really had sort of the bloom come off the rose, which is especially embarrassing because it's the 50th anniversary of Disney World. Right. Um, they are adding, like, way more costs. Mm-hmm. They're adding way more additional fees for, like, park hopping or going on certain rides. Yeah. Uh, the new fa- the replacement to the Fast Pass system, Genie Plus, which is paid, right. is very unpopular. 
Um, they have made huge staffing cuts around all of the parks, which is especially a bad look considering Chepik was celebrating buying, like getting these huge yachts. And he's like, we're going to revitalize Disney cruises. And it's like, bad look, sir. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And I do feel like that was one of the biggest nails in the coffin because if you're not good at the one thing you were supposed to be good Some at, jump. it's just untenable. Right. Um, to, so to use a football metaphor for you, so you know how we've been clowning on Russell Wilson a lot? Yes, we have. Well, it's even worse for the coach because the coach um, just decided to stay and it's like, okay, sir, so you're not good at making an offense. You were never a defensive coach. Mm. You're terrible at game management and you don't seem to be rallying the troops and you didn't do the one thing we brought you in to do. Why exactly are you here still? Um, which very much feels like that's why this was one of the biggest death nails in the coffin. I think... There were a bunch of high-profile incidences kind of in the middle of his very short tenure. Um, so the first one was he made a huge scene over Scarlett Johansson. So oh. Scarlett Johansson, there was a pretty heavy understanding that Black Widow would be kind of like the first big Disney movie that's just in theaters again. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't going to do the premium access thing anymore. They were going to phase that out and Black Widow was just going to be in theaters. And then they reversed course on that. And Scarlett Johansson was reasonably angry because streaming movies don't have the same royalty guarantees as mm. theatrical releases. Mm -hmm. And instead of just saying, yes, we are going to renegotiate, we will give you a fair deal based on this changing economic platform, instead called her a quote-unquote uh, COVID profiteer which was a very oh. bad look and pissed off a lot of actors. And a lot of actors immediately were like, oh, this guy sucks. Yeah. Wow. And again, his obsession with streaming really just alienated all of the studios. Uh, moving all the Pixar movies to streaming. Again, cutting staffs and cutting departments in favor of streaming um, really, really alienated a lot of people. His flippantness towards animation, um, which I can talk about in a minute, mm -hmm. um, was a really big problem. But I think the biggest thing, sort of the thing that will be his legacy, was how he handled um, Florida's don't say gay legislation. Oh. Do you remember all of this? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So early in 2022, Florida was, I believe it's called, the official title is Parental Rights and Education Act. Basically, it just said you're not allowed to talk about LGBTQ subjects in school. And it came out that Disney, uh, Disney gave money to several politicians who support this legislation. And... So instead of doing what most Disney executives have done when they've been called out on uh, donating money to uh, conservative politicians and just being like, hey, you know, we, we give money to basically all politicians and right. that doesn't mean it's an endorsement of this specific bill, Chepik released an email to the entire company saying, hey, we are apolitical. We will not get tangled up in any social discourse. Our contribution to social progress is our movies. And everyone yelled, fuck that in unison. <laughs> um, like, like, and it was kind of amazing because, like, CEOs, especially for companies this big, have, like, they have hundreds of people who are supposed to tell him not to do something like that, who are supposed to tell him how to approach this in a neutral, safe way, and not straight up say, hey, we don't want to look woke. Right. Uh, 
Basically, it caused a rebellion in all of the studios. Basically, every major department of Disney released their own statement saying, no, we don't support this bill. We think it's wrong. Right. Um, Pixar was like, you made us cut gay content. Uh, Disney was like, you made us cut gay content. There was like a genuine outrage. And then he kind of had to walk it back and say, yeah, we think this bill is bad. The problem is, and like, look, at the end of the day, like Disney is not our friends. Like they are right. a mega million, like a billion dollar corporation who, and billion dollar corporations lean conservative, right. whether we, no matter how outwardly, you know, no matter how many rainbow flags they put up at the Disney parks. Right. But to Bob Iger's credit, for all of his faults, and for how his monopolizing of entertainment is genuinely bad for entertainment, mm-hmm. um, he at least understood what is the point of being a billion-dollar company if we're not going to push our weight around a little bit? When he had a similar issue where Georgia was preparing their bathroom bills that are basically like, oh, you have to go to your assigned gender bathrooms, yeah. and if we suspect you're lying, that you can get the cops called on you. Right. He straight up said, we are preparing to pull all film shooting out of Georgia, which is like 99% of Marvel studios. Wow, yeah. That would have been huge. Yeah. And with that weight, Netflix joined in, and ultimately they killed those bills. Wow. Whereas... Like, even though he was, Chapik was forced to walk it back, they didn't really fight the bill. The bill sure. passed. And it kind of became this tidal wave. And it was the, like, first domino of a wave of anti-LGBTQ stuff. Basically, like, the drag queen discussions we ha- are having now started here. Wow. Okay. And, like, and from there, his position was just untenable. Like, basically, he revealed to a huge amount of people who care about Disney, like, oh, you know, we don't care about you. Pretty, yeah. We're not even going to pretend to care about you. Right. So it's a combination of this stuff and finally sort of giving up the ghost. Disney had its worst quarter in like 20 years. This was a kind of weak quarter for them. Okay. Um, like the parks are not making as much money as they were hoping coming out of the pandemic. Um, you know, their movies are making money, but... They're not making the exponent. Again, the line isn't curving. It's just going in a straight line. Right. Like, Thor 4 made more money than Thor Ragnarok, but not nearly as much as they'd hoped. Doctor Strange, the same way. And now they're worried Black Panther might not make it to a billion dollars. And again, wow. like, they're all still going to make crazy amounts of money. Right. Just not the crazy amounts of money the company was hoping for. Mm. Um, I think there was a very pointed line in one of the articles I was reading where... It wasn't just that Disney was doing poorly. It was the fact that he had, a, they were worried Bob Chepik had a level of tone deafness in this entire thing. He apparently was like, they had their board meeting where they were discussing the quarter. Apparently he just kept talking about, oh, well, uh, the Mickey Halloween parties were really successful this year at Disney World. He was like, he seemed to not be aware of how bad the company looked right now. Okay. He, just, he basically was just pointing to the spreadsheets and being like, well, look at this event. This event did well. This event did well. And ultimately, it's the fact that he just, if you're not making money and you're not a good face for the company and you don't seem to be quite aware of any of those things, right? why are we keeping you around? Um, so how, yeah. Okay, good. So, um I mean, like, what details do you know about, like, the specifics of his firing? Any, do you know anything more specific than that? I mean, the details are still pretty vague right now. I think, again, it's going to come down to a... It's going to come down to tell-alls. Oh, sure. But 
it really was, like, some of the quotes that have come out really have framed it as, like, we need someone, like, the streaming well really didn't turn out as good as they were hoping. Like, as streaming as a concept is kind of imploding, mm-hmm. like, again, Disney Plus is making money, but it is not nearly making enough money to justify how many eggs he put in that basket. Right. And I do feel like that's something I wish we talked about more in our Marvel episode. Oh. Because I, as I'm watching Disenchanted, and I'm thinking about Hocus Pocus 2, I'm just sitting and thinking about how, like, there are these huge gaps in theatrical release schedules right now. You put these in theaters, they make a lot of money. Right. Or at least a good amount of money. Especially because these are not cheap-looking movies. Right. Like, the money's on the screen. And then I just really started to think about how much money, like, Amazon and Disney Plus and Netflix are spending to make content like this for a streaming platform. And I'm like, this economic model is fucking insane. Mm. Of course it isn't working. Of course the bubble's exploding. Like, especially because it's like, you're spending all this money on things that if people wanted Disney Plus for this, they would have already had Disney Plus. Like, they're not finding ways to bring more, enough people in to justify this because all the people who would want these things already have Disney+. Plus. And if you're not showing enough of a vision to bring back theatrical, then what are you doing? Like, we're right. just going to keep putting more eggs in a basket that's already kind of setting on fire? Yes. <laughs> and on top of that, it's like the tone deafness of cutting all of these departments, really cutting down animation, um, really cutting down the park staff. It's like... You made a bad decision, and you're making it look worse. Like, if we right. just had a bad quarter because of Disney+, Plus, we could quietly fix that. There are avenues you could take to fix that. But then hacking everything to the bone and, like, chopping heads, even, like, going all the way back to 2020 when Blue Sky got the axe, mm. how bad a look was it to be like, oh, we need to cut weight during the pandemic? Uh, this entire animation studio we got in a corporate monopoly with Fox Studios. Yeah, I, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, also they were working on an animated film about LGBTQ characters. Makes it even worse look. Oh, wow. And I think so much of this, and I think it's really pointed why they're bringing back Bob Iger. It's about looks. Because mm. something, like, as I've been researching this, frantically researching this, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is when you are the CEO of the company Walt Disney founded, you're expected to kind of be Walt Disney. Yeah. And is that fair? No. Right. But that... of what makes Disney work is that it has the image of Disney. Right. Like, if you're the CEO, you need to be doing those little animate, you know, those little, like... Oh, look, it's Tinkerbell. Yes, you have to be flying (laughs) around with Tinkerbell. Yeah. You have to be hanging out with, like, the mascot Mickey Mouse in the park. Right. You have to be omnipresent and social and engaging and charming, or at least entertaining to talk to. Right. And Bob Chapek is the embodiment of the worst kind of sort of entertainment manager where it's like he sees everything in spreadsheets. Mm. He's cold. He's kind of like a numbers guy. He's not particularly social. Right. And I think it's very telling that like every sort of animation person, every like person who's worked at Disney I follow are like, you know what? At the end of the day, at least Bob Iger seemed to give a crap about us. Yeah. Even... Yeah, for, like, he's not seeing all these projects and numbers. He seems genuinely interested in making good entertainment. (laughs) Whereas one of the last big moments Bob Chepik had was an interview where he dismissed animation and basically said, like, oh, well, you know, the parents get tired of that. But it's, you know, it's what keeps the kids entertained for a little bit. And it's, like, 
in the yeah. context of them burying their latest animated film. Right, yeah. It's a gross, gross look. Can I read you some tweets that I have saved um, yes. about this topic that I think are hilarious? Hit me. <laughs> um, this one is from Jeff Gordon. Um, it says, Bob Iger was sitting at home one night watching Wally with a nice glass of red in his home cinema. He then gets an alert on his phone. Disney CEO Bob Chapek thinks adults don't want to watch animated movies. And that's all it took. Yeah, pretty much. And this next one is from Ben Rosen. It says, Disney sources telling me Chapek is out because he told Pixar the asses weren't getting, were getting too big. Insiders say Iger is promising even bigger asses. I mean, I don't know. Iger has a very boomer energy. I... <laughs> no, but I get um, what you're saying with the whole, like, Uncle Walt essence of, like, hey, remember when you loved us? Here's the guy again. Yeah. And, like, I would argue Iger isn't as good at that as even Michael Eisner, but at the same time, True, yeah. he knows what he's good at. And by just buying these things, he's good at it. He's like, hell yeah, I'm getting you guys Star Wars. Isn't that cool? Right. All he has to do is wave one lightsaber around, and you're like, this guy. Right. And I guess that kind of gets <laughs> to the, the big question. He's the stepdad that and... wants to buy your love. Yes, but he's very, very good right. at it. Right. Um, I mean, I guess that's my question. Why... Why does Iger want to come back? He genuinely had one of the most successful CEO runs in entertainment history. Like, he basically... I mean, it, the situation with Disney wasn't as dire as it was pre-Renaissance, where it's like, oh, this company might not exist anymore, mm. or at least the animation department might die. Like, that was enough to keep the boat going. Mm -hmm. But he changed Disney. Like, sure. Disney is... It's it's hard to quantify, like, the big bang he created by getting all these properties and resurrecting the animation studio. And, again, Pixar was preparing to leave. They were tired of working wow. with Disney. They would have lost Pixar, and God knows how they would have survived the early 2000s. Yeah. One of my favorite stories is right when he became CEO in 2005, he was walking around the Disney parks and made a note that basically every mascot character post, like, 2000 was a Pixar character. So he just went to Steve Jobs and said... Name your price. I, like, I'm not going to strong on you. I'm not going to make this a thing. Like, we need this. Yeah. Whatever price you need, want, I will pay because it's worth it. Um, and it's like, why jeopardize all of this? Why jeopardize this legacy by coming back? Again, like, yeah, sometimes you come back and you win back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back NBA titles. Or sometimes you come back and kind of are a dud on the Warriors. Mm. Um, sometimes you come back uh, on a different team and win the Super Bowl. And then you come back a second time and your wife divorces you. Right. Like, like the legacy of coming out of retirement to do things is... Rocky. Fraught, yes. Yeah. Um, but it seems like a part of him never let it go. And this kind of ties into, like, have I heard anything? I did not realize how tumultuous their relationship... Almost immediately after um, Chepik took over, it seems like Iger really regretted his choice... Oh, Apparently wow. at Iker's, like, going away party, Chapik wasn't at the table. He was at a different table. Interesting. Like, Iger surrounded himself with other people. Um, by all accounts, uh, Chapik made a lot of decisions early on that Iger seemed to be under the impression he wouldn't make okay. in terms of, like, the direction of the company. He never really left his executive position. 
And he was very, like, out and open in, like, interviews and, like, in their social circles complaining about him. It seems like almost immediately he regretted picking his successor um, and was quietly getting ready for stepping back in. Mm. I mean, and I guess the challenge is, like, what moves does he have up his sleeve? Is it just going to be going back to theatrical? Well, like, re-emphasizing the theatrical slate be enough to sort of rally the troops um, and get the numbers back up. I mean, certainly, there's plenty to do on the park scene of just cleaning everything up and going back to, if not going back to how it was, creating a more equitable system. Um, Certainly, he needs to pave over the, or, like, sort of patch up the relationship with Pixar and promise them their movies aren't just going to go straight to fucking Disney Plus anymore. Um, And... I mean, does he have another merger up his sleeve? Like, can he buy anything else? Right. <laughs> it, I was just going to say, like, what else is there? Yeah. Exactly. That's kind of the problem. And also, like, we've seen the first energy from, like, antitrust people in a while. Like, Simon Schuster was going to merge with Penguin Random House, and Congress said, no, you can't do that. And oh. it's like, wow, that's the first time we've had something like that in a right. while. That's big. Like, oh, some teeth. And what do you think the company, like, if you had to take a wild guess of, like, what is this company going to look like by the end of this two-year contract? I think he's really just going to steer it away from Disney+. Well, it's hard to say, because you've already put so many eggs in that basket. It's Yeah. I think he's... It wouldn't surprise me if he just tries to get back to where it was in... 2020, literally just undoing all the decisions mm. I uh, Chappick made. And maybe his way of pitching that as an improvement will just be like, hey, we're back to normal. Let's, like, destroy this infrastructure we made during the pandemic. Let's, like, you know, mm-hmm. let's basically pretend we're starting 2020 over. Right. And maybe that would be enough. I definitely think they're going to really push the theatrical... Like, stuff like Disenchanted and Hocus Pocus 2... Well, at least get some kind of theatrical run. I think, like, that, mm. that, I do hope that that tier of film, especially because you have Fox who can make that tier of film, mm-hmm. like, that's their bread and butter. Like, even something like Prey, which was the Predator movie, um, I think that, something like that, it's like, how did this not get a theatrical release? It's a Predator movie, wow. and it's one that people actually like. Right. I think I'll, there will be a big push to get those back into theaters. And maybe that will be enough. Like, mm. I also think... I mean, the, 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 the discussion of like, oh, Disney going woke, going broke, what are they doing? I do think there is going to be an attempt to patch up that kind of stuff mm-hmm. just because, again, Chappick did a lot of damage for morale. Like yeah. him basically coming out as an anti-wokester and dismissing animation and just showing a level of contempt where it really did feel like he saw everything as spreadsheets. Like... It does seem like that really tarnished the brand a little bit. I think more than anything, it's less about, you know, making the line go up again. And it's just cleaning up the image a little bit. Like, getting people excited about Disney again. And you know what? I actually think that just hearing Bob Iger's name again is sort of already starting to do that. In in this right. sort of Uncle Walt sensibility of, of, um, of like, yeah, remember the good times? Remember when, when it was easy to love us? Um, I yeah. feel like the discourse online is already sort of turning in that direction like from a from well, a public I, opinion perspective i was going to say you open this by saying you don't know that much about like 
the nitty gritty of this, but you still were that excited enough to tell me about it. Right. Like you were excited just at the news because that's like the appeal that he has. It's yeah. like, hey, remember how fresh, tangled, and frozen felt yeah. back to back? Mm-hmm. Remember that spark plug I gave the company? What if I can do it again? Yeah, I I get the sense like I get the sense that Bob, Bob Iger sort of loves this company or, or like loves this loves everything about it, loves this brand, you know, like. There's a there is an element of like care to this, and I did feel right. that way I about mean, Eisner too. I mean, he had his faults, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, he had. There was like a sort of a warmth there. Yeah, like if nothing else, and like it doesn't even have to be that they love Disney. Right, they can just love being the head of Disney. Like Chapik never felt like he loved this. Yeah, it felt like it was just a job. He was looking for the biggest fish he could catch, and he caught the fish, and now he's just got the fish. Yeah. Um. Again, like, we are, like, again, and I just think about how bad things are with Warner Brothers, with Zeslev, who very much is a Chappic-like figure. Like, an ant- they both very much seem like people who are hoping the 2016 election meant, quote-unquote, normal America was coming mm-hmm. back. They're guys who see everything in spreadsheets, hack things to the bone that they don't like. And they very much were, both of them were, are the embodiment of a big problem we have with, like, children's entertainment and family entertainment, where, like, half the producers who work on this stuff fucking resent the hell out of the fact that they're getting stuck with the kids' stuff right. and want to look cool around their rich friends. Mm. Whereas Iger does seem like, no, I give a damn. Like, yeah. he cares about this. Like, he loves being the guy. Yeah. He loves being the guy, you know, who hangs out with Tinkerbell. Right. <laughs> and I think, if nothing else, and, like, there's a lot of talk about what he really wanted to do, like, post- uh, Disney CEO. There was a lot of talk he would try to get by out the Rams and the Chargers. That never really happened. Oh. Um, I heard a lot of interesting stuff that he was trying to organize like a group to buy the Phoenix Suns, the basketball team. Wow. But um, because Disney owned ESPN, which uh, kind of released the big report on the current owner of the Suns, Robert Sarver, apparently Sarver was like, I'll never tr- sell this team to that guy. Oh, okay. Um, and, like, maybe he just, some of the avenues he wanted to take didn't work out. But I also just think it's, like, you know, you sit at home. He's not that old. Like, he's old, yeah. but, like, he's healthy and he looks good. Right. And I think he just sits there and he's, like, man, remember when I was the guy? Right. And, like, I was at all the parties and I was opening all the parks. Yeah. And I was shaking hands. With Beyonce and, like, everyone was and coming Prince to Harry. Me. Yeah. Right. And it's, like, it's hard to give up that life. Yeah. I hear you. And, like even if it doesn't work out this time he still gets to be the guy for a little longer and i think you know i can kind of get behind that honestly yeah again like i want to love disney as frustrated as i am with disney at times as much as i think a lot of what they've done is bad for like the broader culture Mm -hmm. i think the world is better when disney is likable and like i agree that's why you and i are here Yeah, what they like? Yeah, we could have just been. We could just be playing Animal Crossing, right? But no, we're like, no, we have. You know, we like talking about Disney and playing Animal Crossing at the same time. Yes. Oh well, yeah, that's true. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think like Disney is genuinely one of America's great cultural exports. Absolutely. Like I'm like, what are the things that are wholly American in terms of like culture and art? Football, okay. Right. Um, musical theater, Yeah. yeah. Disney, like, jazz. those are some of the big ones. Yeah. Jazz. Yeah. Like, and again, there's a reason why this is a Virginia episode, because, like, who the hell knows what's, like, this was not, yeah. 
even though this seems like it was well in the in the makings for a while and it's something a lot of us deeply wanted mm. like a lot we weren't prepared for this no like, absolutely not happen now yeah and the next couple years of disney are now suddenly cracked wide open if you could like make a wish for the like what what's like one thing if you if if bob Iger was like santa claus like what what is your what's your um bb gun <laughs> well you said it to me the other day this is my oh my red my rider, red BB, rider gun. bb gun yeah what's your red rider bb gun <laughs> well first for context people i was referring to a kirby pancake maker kirby <laughs> the pink uh amorphous blob possible god character yes. from nintendo um if i could have one thing i really just think a reprioritization of animation because again Iger's biggest success, much like Michael Eisner, was saying, no, first and foremost, we are an animation company. Even as he was buying Marvel and Star Wars, animation was king. He's the one who said we cannot afford to lose Pixar. He is the one who found the right people to revitalize Disney Animation Studios. Like, the, like we don't get to Encanto without, mm. you know, Tangled and Frozen getting people to love animation again mm -hmm. like so like he fundamentally again he fundamentally got like no animation is not a kid's thing it is yeah a family our thing. Yeah. soul right it's a family thing it's our soul all of this flows from those drawings and if we don't have that soul then disney just isn't as bright it isn't as shining right I would agree, yeah. I would also ask for specifically to go back to taking a chance on, like, 2D animation, specifically. I want more. I want, I want more. I want, I, I think it's not too late to revisit Princess and the Frog, but, I mean, if they could do it with literally everything else, like... Well, they are making... They are making the Tiana series, and I have to imagine it's one of the because that Did was I like, know about yeah, that? remember? No. Yes, we've talked about this frequently. Are you talking about the book thing? No, 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 no. The the, it's like an animated Disney Plus thing. What? They announced it alongside the Moana one and the Zootopia one. I have no memory of these. I also yeah, they, kinda, they got announced in that uh, press in the thing that, I was talking uh, about iPhone thing in the iPhone yes. thing. I I also like I definitely have streaming fatigue and like I would I I want some sense of like, a you know. Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I would love for them to find a way to encourage us back to theatrical, to a theatrical expectation for Disney stuff. Yes. And even beyond that, a reemphasizing of their televised animation. True. Because Iger left when they, we were in a golden age, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, DuckTales was great, Amphibia was great. Mm. You know, the Phineas and Ferb thing had just run its course. Yeah. Like... And we don't really have that much on the horizon right now. And I would really appreciate, like, mm -hmm. and even, like, even the creators of Owl House talk about, like, yeah, it was so frustrating that, like, our show kind of got canceled early. And then we finally got to have a live Comic-Con panel because the pandemic was over. Mm. And all of these Disney CEOs are, or all of these Disney executives are, like, in shock at how popular it is. Right. And it's like, yeah, we told you. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts as we wrap up this emergency episode? No, honestly, this has been quite a journey. I'm glad that we had this talk because I uh, I didn't know a lot of this information or I had this context. And honestly, like, 
I feel kind of excited. Yeah, it is nice to get, it is nice to feel excited about Disney again. Yeah. It doesn't feel like just a thing. It feels like, it doesn't just feel like another day. It feels like Christmas again, where it's like, oh, I'm going to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And as we get ready to go back to your regular scheduled programming, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. Thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.